0: Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're listening to the Full Ten Yards podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling, we got all game oh, Stay
1: tuned, cool, man. We got something special for to y'all today. You're listening
0: to the Full Ten Yards podcast. To the ten,
1: right to the five, scooting in for the score. Touchdown! Yeah.
2: Happy New Year NFL fans welcome to the first full 10 yards podcast of the year 2020 and we start off the new decade in playoff mode as obviously we get to that business end of the season joined tonight boy Lawrence and Tim so boys going to welcome you in Lawrence firstly to you happy New Year my friend how are you doing
3: really really good really really good Um. Not to put a kind of sour note to the start of the podcast, but very, very sad to hear about the passing of Sam Weich, the former Bengals head coach who led the Bengals to Super Bowl twenty-three, and that absolutely heartbreaking loss to Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. One thing you might not know about Sam Weich is he's actually known for introducing the use of the no-huddle offence. So, as opposed to just doing it at the end of a half, he actually introduced that into normal gameplay.
2: Yeah, fair play indeed, and uh, something that I'd like to see a lot more teams run, because it always seems to catch defences off guard, like you say. It's a little surprising that it's often saved for the two-minute drill at the end of a half. Uh, Tim, bring you in, mate. How are you doing? I know you're having some internet troubles, my friend, but uh, happy new year to you.
0: Yeah, and to you boys as well. It's funny, actually. I remember you noticing on on a previous podcast you were wishing that my internet packed up. So be careful what you wish for, my friends. Be careful (laughs) what you wish for. (laughs) Yeah,
2: indeed, indeed. Right, while he's still connected, let's crack on with the podcast. Let's get into the news first as we move over to First Down. First Down. They usually say that no news is good news, but when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, Tim, I'm betting you're getting a little bit annoyed at the lack of news because as it stands today, Jason Garrett is still employed
0: yeah it's very interesting isn't it um, I think Jerry Jones loves the spotlight, doesn't he, he loves everyone bounding their feet kissing and kissing his, t- his his expensive shoes hoping for the latest news uh, yeah still still employed by the Dallas Cowboys, which just to me uh, one of two things either the coach that they want or are after is currently coaching in the playoffs so therefore cannot be tapped up or the rest of it um, have to wait till obviously they've been knocked out or they already know who they're going for um, you know maybe someone maybe in the college side of things uh, interesting and kind of with Lincoln Riley, some QB obviously disassociated themselves with um, with that that college. So that, you know, he, he said he was only going to do that if Lincoln Riley was uh, looking to leave. So that's obviously an interesting tidbit. So keep your eyes peeled on on that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I think how it how it will probably play out now is they'll let his contract expire on what is it January the fourteenth? I think just out of courtesy and obviously out of respect of of what he's done there. Um, yeah, how much that amounts to I'm not too sure you can probably discuss that for the next hour but um, yeah I, th- I think they'll probably let his contract go because that gives Jerry Jones a bit of wiggle room in terms of um, you know trying to wait for people to come round. I don't know if there's maybe something in his contract which says he can't he can't be fired or he got paying three million dollars or something stupid like that but uh, yeah I can see it just letting him play out and just not renewing it to be quite honest.
2: Yeah, we'll wait and see, like you say, should probably get some developments in the next week or so if we don't hear anything before and uh, let's bring you up to speed with the full developments from Black Monday as we were recording on Monday evening and still waiting for some news to filter through and I've got to say it was a little bit anticlimactic this year wasn't it, it was, it was almost yeah. a sh- shade of grey really, um, obviously the Redskins and Panthers jobs were open as we knew going into the season but only to my scoreboard at least the Browns as per usual and the New York Giants moving on from Pat Shermer were the only two guys to actually go on Monday and obviously since Monday Lawrence we speculated there was some strong whispers around but it's obviously confirmed now your Redskins have made the first move and Ron Rivera is on board so just get your reaction to that and obviously he's also brought in with him one of his old friends.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 good news for Redskins fans. Ron Rivera officially announced as the Redskins head coach. Did his first press conference about an hour or so ago. And if it wasn't for technology woes again, I would have listened to the whole of it or watched the whole of it. Um, he immediately appoints fellow former NFL linebacker and veteran head coach Jack Del Rio. Here's here's some here's some little factoids for you. Both Ron and Jack. Combined for 297 games in their NFL careers spanning the 80s and the 90s. And Tim, I know know you like me to go deep here. These two actually faced each other in the playoffs in late 1991. Del Rio's Cowboys beating Rivera's Bears 17-13 in the wildcard. And the Bears quarterback that day was former 49ers head coach Jim Harbaugh. Wow. So, these two, these two new Skins coaches have combined for 169 NFL regular season head coaching wins. But, and this is the bad news, and this is the bit where I kind of swallow deeply as a Redskins fan, only four playoff wins between them all time. So, for Rivera, this is going to be his 23rd consecutive year coaching in the NFL. Started as a defensive quality control coach in 97 with the Bears, coached linebackers for the Eagles, went back to the Bears as defensive coordinator, helped take them to Super Bowl 41, where they lost to the Colts, then spent four years in San Diego before starting his nine-year tenure as Panthers head coach. And obviously, he reached that one Super Bowl with that incredible 15-1 Cam Newton season. Um got to Super Bowl 50, and then got thwacked by the Broncos.
0: That is uh, that's pretty deep there, Lawrence. I think deep-sea divers look at you and think, oh, mate, you go too deep for me. <laughs>
3: it's all fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. <laughs>
2: Plenty more of that where it came from as well with the new full 10 yards retro, which Lawrence will be heading up as we get towards the off season. So keep your eyes peeled if you like your NFL history. Another man who is history when it comes to the NFL, certainly for the time being at least, John Dorsey relieved of his general manager status with the Browns since Monday i um, speculated that that could well happen. Um, personally, quite disappointed by it. It means yet another restart and yet another rebuild. And, you know, watching the, the now annual Jimmy Haslam press conference, um, essentially just a copy, paste and repeat the same old sayings of we will learn, we will get better, we will try harder. Um, essentially, zero patience and therefore zero end product on the field. So... The Brown Jet, again, in chaos, going to appoint a head coach first and then get that head coach to help appoint the GM, which will be interesting. So we'll wait and see how that develops. Um, That's it for your news. We're going to start to look at the playoffs as we get to third and fourth down. But for second down, Tim is in with the quiz.
0: Second down. Okay, full 10 questions time. I thought it would be a good idea to invite a person on for the Week 17 quiz that not only won our Listener League, but also won our Pickhams League as well. So can he take the trifecta with the full 10 questions well? Top score to beat is nine from last week. Ross, welcome you in. Um, I have to say congratulations, um, saving me £3 on postage for for your prizes that will be coming your way.
1: Oh, no, thanks very much, Tim. Um, it's a, a nice wee surprise over the festive period to you not know, just win one, but one both. Absolutely, so, yeah, uh, delighted.
0: Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you a big fancy fancy football guy, or how have you done this season?
1: Um, I've done no bad this season. Um, I kind of took part in three leagues, um, including the one with yourselves, obviously. And I made it to the finals in two, and unfortunately, a uh, fifty burger for Saquon Barkley um, <laughs> meant I lost to a Pats fan of old people too in the. Uh, and um, Danny, the commissioner of the league as well. So um, I think in two out of my three, I was playing against the commissioner in the league. So I've done, done not too badly in my drafts and um, in subsequent games. So yeah, it was pretty tough to the season overall. And I think this is only my sort of third season playing fantasy as well. And I've been in Mother other league. I've actually been in the final all three years winning it once. And... Um, so, but yeah,
0: do not too badly. No, absolutely not. And I suppose uh, beating beating the commissioner in the final, uh, which is A.K. myself, I suppose, uh, give you a bit more satisfaction. Bit bit of a sweetener. Yeah, no, no,
1: absolutely. <laughs> it was, um, when it, that was the thing. I was uh, sitting watching the games on the Sunday the um, in week 16, and I was sweating just purely because the two games were really tight. I think the one with yourself, I think there was only kind of 20 points in it. Mm. Um, the other one I lost well, to like two points. Mm. Um so it was uh, it was
0: pretty tight, and I was kind of sweating over both of them to be honest. That's what that's what, that's what fantasy football uh, is is all about. But yeah, no, you certainly your team. Uh, I'll, I'll post it on social media as well. The uh, on Twitter, your your team, yeah, you, you scored relentlessly in the in the playoffs. Though. So at least the, the worst thing in, in fantasy football is is yeah, your opponent not scoring that many points, but you not doing so as well. Which is the but obviously you you scored a lot of points, so it obviously helps.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think um, I was pretty chuffed to my team from the kind of get go. Mm. Um, and when CMC became available um, straight away, I was I was all over that, mm. um, just because uh, the whole kind of dual threat scenario. So
0: yep.
1: um, I saw that as a massive opportunity. Mm.
0: Yeah, especially in, P- in, uh, in PPI, absolutely. Okay, it's time to get down to business. The top scores over the sixteen weeks so far to be is nine out of ten. Uh, are you feeling confident? Do you reckon you're going to get the trifecta? Not only a uh, a fancy league win, a bit of Pickham league win, but maybe a, a full 10 questions quiz uh, win as well. What do you reckon?
1: Nah, I'm not, not overly confident Tim him, but uh, certainly, certainly give up my best shot. That's
0: what we're allowed to hear. Did you watch match of week 17?
1: Um, I did. I was watching a fair bit on the kinda, on red zone, um, to be honest, so I was kind of following from there, but uh, it does sit with. Um, The last few days, it certainly seems like it was a long time away.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, indeed. Okay, right. Well, let's get to it then. I'm going to start the clock uh, after I finish the first uh, question. So, are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Which team scored the most points in Week 17?
1: The Saints.
0: Okay. Question two: Which player scored Pittsburgh' only touchdown versus the Ravens?
1: Um, Is it Benny Snell?
0: OK, question three. What was the biggest winning margin of week 17?
1: Um, the Saints v the Panthers, I think it was.
0: OK, question four. Which player caught the five-yard to uh, 5 yard touchdown at the end of the game for Miami to beat the Patriots?
1: Uh, that was uh, tight end Mike Gesicki. Cool. should hopefully remember that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> question five. Which game had the lowest amount of points in total?
1: Uh, the lowest amount in total... Um, mm. New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills
0: Okay. Question 6 Which Eagles defensive lineman recovered the botch snap and fumble on the two-yard line in the Eagles versus Giants game?
1: Um, Fletcher
0: Cox Question 7 What was the only game to be decided by one point?
1: Um, That was the Raiders and Broncos
0: Question 8 Jameis Winston threw a pick six in the first play of overtime versus the Falcons which player had that interception?
1: Um, Dion Jones. Okay, question
0: nine Which quarterback threw for more yards in the San Francisco versus Seattle game? Was it Jimmy Garoppolo or Russell Wilson?
1: Um, go with uh, Russell Wilson.
0: Okay, question 10 Within 30, how many points did all the home teams score collectively in week 17?
1: Um, go with. 370.
0: OK, stop the clock. Good time. 1 minute 46. How uh, how do you think you did? Uh,
1: I I'll tell you what, you, no can, messing around oh, there. You
0: did really well. No I messing
1: I think around. the la- last two kind of threw me a wee bit because um, I didn't. I'll be honest, I completely never seen any of the Monday night football. Right. Um, so that one completely threw me.
0: All right, well, let's go through them. So which team, question one, which team scored the most points? I've got is Dallas uh, with 47. Ah, I think the so Saints was... Saints were a couple behind, I think, on forty. Is it forty-six? Forty-two. 40, 42. I think it was, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, question two: Which player scored Pittsburgh's only touchdown? You were correct. It was running back Benny Snell. Biggest win margin was the Saints and the Panthers. They say scoreline was just uh, you just said there. So, yep, yeah, that was the biggest win margin of the weekend. Uh, Mike Gusecki, of course. Who could uh, forget the uh, the commentary there from Kevin Harland? I think yeah. I spoke to you <laughs> offline about that. It was obviously uh, one of your one of your highlights of the of the season. Uh, yeah, Mike yeah, Gusecki five. Definitely. Five-yard touchdown there for the Dolphins. Uh, Jets and the Bills did play out the lowest uh, lowest scoring game of the weekend, so that's also correct. Uh, Fletcher Cox was the uh, f- uh, defensive lineman for the Eagles uh, on the two-yard line, recovering that fumble. Well done on that one. Uh, which game was the only game to be decided by one point? Was indeed Oakland and Denver. Jameis Winston threw a pick six to Dion Jones. Correct once again. Uh, which quarterback threw for more yards? Jimmy Garoppolo had 285. Russell Wilson had 233, so no bueno on that one, unfortunately. Uh, And then within uh, question 10, within 30, how many points did the home team score collectively in week 17? You said 370. Uh, Very well done. 377. So I make that 8 out of 10 in total. Uh, Not quite the 9, but must be delighted uh, with that performance.
1: Oh no! Absolutely, I was as I said, I was I been happy just to get by
0: one or two. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> no, I, I have ten years more than uh, more than respectable on a, a quiz that's notoriously quite difficult. So, uh, so yes, but well, well done, well done to you. A quick word on on the NFL. You are a, Ch- a Chiefs fan. How how did you get into the NFL and kind of what got you kind of interested?
1: Um, I, I always remember, actually, believe I'm not playing Joe Montana on the kind of old mega drives and stuff oh, um, I when yeah. I was younger, I so yeah. I used to play, play the kind of games, um, which kind of started um, my kind of love for American football. I did fade away from it for a few years, um, and then it wasn't until I kind of went to work over in America, teaching, well, soccer, as they call it, mm. um, over there, um, teaching that for kind of two years. I got really into the college football. I was based in a college town, okay, um, and I got really into kind of college football, and then from there it got me back into the NFL side of things. And oh, nice. um, so yeah, it was it's been a kind of a long love for me dating all the way back to the kind of late eighties, early nineties.
0: Mm, yeah, and obviously um, bonus or a lot like, uh, with the Patriots losing uh, against Miami in week in week seventeen, giving you boys the uh, the two seed.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, as I said, the commissioner and another league being a big bats fan, that kind of sort of softened the blow <laughs> slightly, losing the fantasy. So, obviously, yeah. uh, it's meant I've been able to kind of wind him up a little bit, and um, and the fact that we've obviously stole that seed from them. So, yeah, it was absolutely delightful to see about magic in the last kind of last thirty seconds or so.
0: Absolutely, I have to ask the question: If you had the choice between your your fantasy team winning the final or the uh, or the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, what are you, what are you going for?
1: Oh, Chiefs winning the Super Bowl all day! Yeah, good chat, good answer, good answer. <laughs> I don't... Plus, I, I've, yeah. got a wee, I've got we,
0: I've got we bet on it as well. So, no, no. <laughs> I, I missed I've, I've put a bet on the uh, the Chiefs and Saints Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, I'll be kind of half cheering with you with you on that on that one as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, I say, let me uh, obviously congratulate you for your for your achievements and say, even doing the uh, the pick'em over seventeen weeks, uh, obviously it's that sort of cement from the boys, and I think you won by a couple of points on that as well. So, uh, congratulations, obviously, on that, and obviously beating me in the final of a, uh, of, of the full ten yards listening league. We'll obviously uh, invite you uh, back next year to, to defend your title. Are you up for it?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll be delighted to accept that and uh, see see how we go again next year.
0: Absolutely, and so we will. Uh, we will sort of have a few uh, a few prizes and uh, yeah, some Kansas City uh, Chiefs stuff and some NFL stuff as well. So uh, that will be that will be on its way to you very shortly indeed.
1: No, I'm delighted with that, Tim listening. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ross. No worries. Cheers.
0: So there we have it. That's the end of season three of the full 10 questions. Adam Foxcroft, a t-shirt will be winging its way over to you. We'll be in touch buddy, but congratulations to you. Nine out of 10 was enough to take home the prize. Now let's get back to the rest of the podcast.
2: Excellent effort there. Eight out of 10. Very respectable indeed again for your listening pleasure keep your ears peeled we will be doing a end of season quiz the big fat NFL quiz of the 2019 season will be coming shortly quite a few of us from the full 10 yards potentially taking part um, you know it's a part of the podcast that a lot of you like and enjoy so you'll get a bumper quiz in your ears very soon right let's move on to third down and start looking at the playoffs as we start to look at Saturday's games <laughs> down okay boys that's what we've been waiting for playoffs are here they start on Saturday of course wild card weekend quite often the most exciting weekend of the season and it kicks off with Houston and Buffalo and a bit of a shout out. We were hoping to be joined by you and tonight he's ran into a few personal difficulties. So hope everything works out there for you, my friend. We will try and do your game a little bit of justice. It's an intriguing matchup on paper, at least fellas here, the Texans Mm. and the bills, the bills have probably outperformed a lot of people's expectations at one point looked as though they could potentially challenge the Patriots for the divisional crown. Texans were the ones that outlasted everybody in the AFC South, which was competitive essentially from week one with the three teams, essentially neck and neck with around about a month of the season left to play. But the Texans were the ones that obviously come out on top. Uh, Mm. So, Lawrence, let's come to you first, my friend, just in terms of the Buffalo Bills in this one. They're obviously the road team on the road Going across to Houston, um, I think the bookies have got them as slight underdogs. However, based on the way that they've been playing recently, do you think that's a fair status for them to have, or do you think that actually it they've is. got a good chance?
3: I think it is. I think they are they are underdogs. I mean, if you look at their their last four games, whilst they've all been competitive and they've um, you know they've they've held teams to the low scoring, they've actually lost three of their last four, including the last two. Um, obviously, the, the Week 17 game, um, the 13-6 loss to the Jets didn't really count. I know um, our starting quarterback, Josh Allen, just, just did the one series. But you look back, the heartbreaking loss to the Patriots, 24-17. And then they, you know, the, the real true marker of their season was that game against the Ravens the game in week 14, 24-17 loss, tight, tight game. The Bills really did hold their own. So it proves that they are, you know, they're they're definitely a playoff team. But, you know, this is, this is a team that just cannot, I don't think they can generate enough points. And if you've got Deshaun Watson on form, and if you've got him in the zone, and he's not getting kicked in the eyeball by somebody then there's a good likelihood that the Texans can put up 28, 31 points. And this is where the Bills are going to struggle. They're not going to they're not going to outshoot anyone in a gunfight. What they're going to do is if they can maintain an early lead and they can somehow get the eternal Frank Gore onto the field because they've, they've got a 10-point lead and they're just grinding out the clock, then that's good for them. But if the Texans start moving the ball, and they're at home, I mean, the the one good thing going for the Bills is that they are they have a very very credible six and two um, road record for the season, and six and two on the road for anybody is, is is a really really good really good sign of things to come. But personally, I've got the Texans here. I think they they've got enough. They're at home. Yes, they've got a, a pretty abysmal playoff record. But I think this is where Deshaun Watson is going to start showing up some some true colors. Tim,
0: what do you think? Yeah, for me, this one this one comes down to how much of the ground game Houston can can get uh, get going. Buffalo, that's the way you beat them on the ground. Um, you know, you're not going to beat them through the air. I actually think Buffalo are going to win this game, uh, and I think that because I don't think they're going to be able to get the run game going because I think Will Fuller is unlikely to play in this one, hamstring injury has uh, docked him all season pretty much throughout his whole career so I think what Buffalo can then afford to do is maybe stuff the box a little bit um, and then you know, cause Deshaun Watson to maybe get then a bit behind the chains throw, throw the ball and then that's when Tradovius White and Levi Wallace and all the rest of them uh, can, can do their stuff um, just having a look back at some history of these games the last five they've only really played each other five times over the last decade uh, Houston have taken four out of those five uh, most recently last year Houston winning uh, at home 20 to 13 but it's a bit more of a different Buffalo side uh, than perhaps has been facing Houston over the last couple of years so uh, I just think Buffalo have enough about them I think Josh Allen shown a, a lot more maturity um, than last time he faced them as well and I, you know this is a Houston team that have recently lost against the Broncos uh, as well so I, I don't think Buffalo you know, they've gone on the road and won in a few d- different places as well, including Dallas, uh, not, that, not that they're any world beaters. But, um, you yeah, know, they've shown that they can travel on the road. That's always a good mark of a, a, t- a, a good team. I think they're going to go in and, and get the job done. Um, yeah, Devin Singletary who's averaging, what, five yards a carry so far this season uh, when he's on the ground. I think, I think they've got enough to, to get the job done and get their way of victory.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be an intriguing matchup, isn't it, the fact that you fellas have gone, you know, Each way in terms of the the selections there tells its story, doesn't it? I think it could come down to that Hopkins-Tredavious-White battle on the outside. That will be intriguing. Tredavious-White obviously hasn't given up a touchdown all season. I'm sure he's not going to want to start doing that in the playoffs. And you have to imagine that he will travel with Hopkins in this one. Um, Could be a really, really close game. I've got the Texans just on the fact that they're at home. Uh, however, as you've alluded to, Lawrence, you know, a 6-2 and two away record. The Bulls certainly in with a shout. So, it's a good be game to get us up be and interesting to
0: see, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what JJ Watt does. He'll yeah. see his back, but they've got a plan for him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how often he's on the field.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like you say, activated from injured reserve. Um, I think an injury that most people would have expected to have done him in completely. Um, but uh, yeah, back in time just for the playoffs. So big boost to that Texans defense. That's the one that gets us started on Saturday. Lawrence, you're going to go a little bit in depth for us with the big game on Sunday morning, technically for us. Early hours of Sunday morning, obviously late night, prime time Saturday viewing over in the States. And a match that, I suppose, more often than not, we would just say, well, chalk that up as a New England victory. But well, this certainly isn't the same Patriots team that we've been used to seeing over the last few years. And Tennessee, certainly since the switch of quarterback to Ryan Tannehill, have been as competitive as anybody. So, take us through that big match in Foxborough.
3: Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 this, this has all the makings of a real classic game. We've got the 9 and 7 titans this is the perennial 9 and 7 titans i think it's four seasons in a row they've finished 9 and 7 but this time in the playoffs against the 12 and 4 patriots team patriots lead the series 25-17 and one including a 2 and 1 playoff record the last time they met actually was week 10 last season and the titans won that game 34-10 Derek Henry ran for two second half touchdowns, and Marcus Mariota, who was a starting quarterback then, threw two touchdowns himself. And the only score from the Patriots was fullback James Devlin. So prior to that, the Patriots had won the last seven times they played, including five times in New England. And that included a 59 nothing drubbing back in 2009 where Tom Brady threw six touchdown passes in a 14-minute, 43-second span between the second and third quarter. Three touchdowns to Randy Moss and two to Wes Welker. I don't know if you remember that. Six touchdowns in under 15 minutes. Ridiculous. In fact, the Titans as a team have never, ever won in New England. Ever. Not talking about playoffs. Ever. And the last time that the franchise won in Foxborough was in 1993, when they are actually called the Houston Oilers. And Warren Moon tossed two touchdowns to the delightfully named and former Cleveland Brown, Webster Slaughter. And the Patriots quarterback that day was none other than Scott Secules. Yes, you will need to Google him. In the second of his only four career starts. So in terms of the kind of key narratives to this game, I've got four. So first one, Titans head coach Mike Rabel, who won three Super Bowls with New England under Bill Belichick, coming back to Foxborough to possibly end the Brady-Belichick story, stone dead. I mean, you can talk about the Patriots linebacker Alandon Roberts scoring in Week 17. but We've got to remember, it was Mike Rabel, a do-it-all linebacker, who scored touchdown passes from Tom Brady, who is still going, in not one, but two consecutive Super Bowls. 38 versus the Panthers and 39 versus the Eagles. So that's narrative one. Narrative two, the NFL's leading rusher, Derek Henry, even though he was rested week 16. Him and his beaver's tail exposing the Achilles heel of the Patriots' number one overall ranked defence. Then narrative number three, we've got Tom Brady, a six-time Super Bowl winner, now chasing his seventh Super Bowl win. And insanely his tenth Super Bowl appearance in his 41st and he's coming up in his 41st playoff game. And he's aiming he's aiming on kind of Sunday morning for his 31st playoff win, all with the same head coach. In fact, in the past five seasons, the Patriots have won three of four Super Bowls that they've appeared in and won twelve of fourteen playoff games, only going down to eventual Super Bowl winners, the Broncos and the Eagles. And my final kind of big narrative of the day, Tennessee being led by arguably the comeback player of the year. This is Ryan Tannehill. In week six, following a third quarter Marcus Mariota interception by Denver Broncos safety Justin Simmons and down six to zero, Vrabel benched Mariota and put in Tannehill. He didn't manage to get any points, but he went 13 out of 16 and there was a spark there. Ten weeks later, Tannehill's not relinquished his starting role and he's won seven out of ten starts. So, breaking down the two teams, Titans, 12th in offence, 21st in passing, third in rushing. Ryan Tannehill himself is 49-49 and 49 career-wise, passed for 2,742 yards in ten starts and ended the season as the highest-rated passer in the league, even above Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson hitting 70.3% of his passes this season, and now he starts his first playoff game in, in his career. So Derek Henry, who won the NFL Russian crown with 1,540 yards, was the only offensive Titans player named to the Pro Bowl, and not even as a starter. That went to Nick Chubb. You've got A.J. Brown, who's a rookie phenom at wide receiver, 52 catches, 1,051 yards, averaging 20.2 a catch. And the only 50-catch receiver to go over 20 yards of catch this season. Chargers' Mike Williams finished with a 20.4 per-catch average, but only on 49 balls. And then the Titans on defence, they've got three Titans defenders recorded over 100 tackles, including Logan Ryan. who had four and a half sacks and four false fumbles to boot. Safety Kevin Byard had another great season, including five interceptions. Titans pass for us has not been spectacular. Nobody got more than nine sacks including the big unit, defensive tackle Jarrell Casey, who has got the potential to change a game. Then you move on to the Patriots, 15th in offence, 8th in passing, 18th in rushing. Tom Brady, aged 42, continues to defy logic. Another 4,000-yard season. He's 11th of his career. It was actually the first time Brady's made it through a 16-game season and not made the Pro Bowl. First time since 2006. This is a changing of the guard um, in the awards allocation, but is it a changing of the guard when it matters in terms of the wins in the playoffs? Sonny Michel, running back, has been a bit of a disappointment. 3.7 yards a carry, along of 26 and just seven total touchdowns, including under 100 receiving yards for the season. Current Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman and running back James White, who should have had a Super Bowl MVP himself have been the glue that's kept the Patriots alive. 172 catches and 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns between them. Patriots' tight end situation is an absolute mess, and there's no point talking about anyone else because they're a bit part player. All I'd say is look out for the Patriots' kicking situation to be a bit of a wild one. They're on their third kicker, even though Nick Falk, who is that third kicker, has hit six of his last six field goals. Patriots' defence is first in the league, and despite ranking um, first in the league, only had two defenders get a Pro Bowl nod. Potential defensive MVP, cornerback um, Stefan Gilmore and inside linebacker Donta Hightower. Gilmore's been outstanding. 20 passes defended, six interceptions and two pick sixes. His first two of his career. And the guy I think he deserves some recognition is linebacker Jamie Collins. Seven sacks, three interceptions, three forced fumbles, eight in one tackles. Coming back to the Patriots after three seasons, sorry, Sean, in the wilderness with the Browns, Patriots did allow four different running backs to gain over 100 yards this season, though. So with all that said, my prediction, the formula of Brady, Belichick, Edelman and White, I I think, is almost mystical. You know the names, you know the routes they're going to run. You know Edelman catches passes in the middle of the field, 10 to 15 yards deep. White hoovering up anything out around the line of scrimmage. Add a sprinkle of Rex Burkhead when folks are t- tied, and you've got a format that's pretty much unbreakable. The Titans, on the other hand, have won one playoff game in the past 15 seasons, a wild card game against the Chiefs back in 2017. They got mauled 35-14 by the Patriots in the divisional round in 2017. Yes, this is a different Titans team now, with Ryan Tannehill resurrecting his career, AJ Brown on fire and Derek Henry fulfilling his potential right in front of our eyes. It's a massive Matchup with things like um, Gilmore versus Brown, Pats defensive front versus Derek Henry, and a fascinating coaching matchup between a legend and his former star pupil. I've got the Patriots taking this 33 16 in a game that the Titans keep close going into the half that flips in the third when Brady digs deep and leaves the Pats on a monster 80 yard drive to go up for good.
2: 33 points for the Patriots. Are you for real? They haven't put how 33 much do I have for you, Mr. driver? <laughs> 33 Very points. Good. That's a that's a hell of a prediction, mate. Hell of a prediction.
3: There you go. There you go. I've laid laid it out.
2: You certainly, you've certainly laid it out, mate. We can't accuse you of not laying it out for us, Tim. You've got the Titans <laughs> winning this one, I believe, in our um in our Pickham competition.
0: I certainly do and that's a good that's a good segue yeah if you anyone out there go to, over to Full 10 Yards on Twitter uh, get involved with the competition just to tell us who you, who's going to get into the Super Bowl who's going to win it all and you get a chance to win a scarf and a team of your choice but yeah I've gone good times in this one I think it's going to be the final now in the coffin um, for the Patriots this season you know, the signs have been there the last couple of weeks have been shaky defence is not as great if you look at, if you head over to Wikipedia and search uh, Devante Parker it shows that on the first time he's adopted a, a baby girl and They've named, him, they've named her Stefan Gilmore, so that's quite
2: funny. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, he had himself quite a day last week. I, I think the Patriots win it. I don't think it's 33. Um, I would be amazed if it is 33. Me and Lawrence were talking off air earlier, though, and you do just kind of get that sense that New England will somehow just figure out a way to do it, as they always tend to do. Um, I think it could be an interesting matchup. They'll obviously game plan to stop Derek Henry, and it'll be interesting to see. How Tannehill Hill then does respond? Um, you'd imagine that Gilmore will track AJ Brown. Um, mm. So it is. It is
3: I,
0: saw, I saw he was touted for an all-pro, uh, an all-pro nod. Old AJ Brown,
3: which is ridiculous. Yeah, I can't mm. see the guy, the guy just got over fifty catches. I, I saw that as well, and I'm, I'm not buying. know I'm afraid.
2: No, I can't. I can't see that either. He's, he's had a very good rookie season, and uh, you know, fair play to him. He's, he's certainly come on as well in the last month, hasn't he? You know, we, I think we commented on that on Monday in the last month. He seems to be making highlight reel play after highlight reel play. Um, but no, not not all pro just yet. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes down. I think, again, both of these games on Saturday, I don't think anybody will be overly surprised waking up Sunday morning if you don't watch them live and and, and you know, either result in either game, I don't think would be the biggest of surprises to uh, tightly contested ones in the AFC. Right, let's move on to fourth down as we start looking at Sunday's games in the NFC.
1: Fourth down.
2: Yeah, so a little bit of a surprise here that actually the two AFC and two NFC games aren't split over the weekend. They're both being played on the same days in the respective conferences and it's the NFC that takes centre stage on Sunday. And I'll start us off with what is, in my opinion at least, the best matchup on paper um, of two teams that have had you know, very, very good seasons. New Orleans Saints, who in many a year would have got the number one seed, let alone having to play on wildcard weekend with a 13-3 and three record. But that's the way the cookie crumbled for them, unfortunately. Led, of course, by Drew Brees, who has had another stellar season behind centre. 27 touchdowns to just the four interceptions. 116.3 quarterback rating, and unsurprisingly leading the league in completion percentage at a ridiculous 74.3% on the season. He just does not get any worse with age, does he? We talked about Brady in the last game. Drew Brees, um, you know, for me, absolutely right up there in, in terms of consideration for one of the best to ever suit up and do it. On the opposite but, side.
3: But he didn't make the um, NFL's. Top 100, did he? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Team, ridiculous which I thought was the biggest, the biggest travesty of the entire, um, the entire voting system.
2: Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. He, he yeah. His numbers speak for themselves. How on earth the leading all-time passer in NFL history doesn't make the, the top 100 team is, is ridiculous. But anyway, we digress. On the other side of the ball, Kirk Cousins has had himself a nice season. His stats are actually quite similar to Drew Brees when I read these out. 26 touchdowns, 6 interceptions and 107.4 rating. So... Kirk Cousins has certainly had a much improved second season in Minnesota after quite a middling first season following that bumper contract that he was given. The biggest difference between these two sides, of course, it's in that wide receiver position. And you would have thought coming into the season, it would have been a real strength for Minnesota. Stefan Diggs has had a reasonable season, 63 receptions, over 1,000 yards receiving, and backed that up with six touchdowns. But Adam Thielen, who really burst onto the scene over the last couple of seasons, has been held back by injury throughout this campaign. He did return to the field in week 16, didn't do an awful lot. And and effectively all of Minnesota's starters were rested last week. So it'll be interesting to see another week removed um, from the hamstring injury, how he goes in this one. Because obviously when they're on song, they are a phenomenal pair of receivers. Of course, for the Saints, it's all through Michael Thomas, who record holder now with 149 receptions on the season, as well as leading the league in yardage through the air with 1,725 yards. He, for my money, the best one in the game. When we talk about an all-pro receiver, that's the guy right there. His catch rate is phenomenal, and similar to what we said about People know what's coming from the Patriots. People know what's coming from the Saints. It's it's Michael Thomas on the outside. There isn't really any other receiver in this um, unit that consistently produces. Jared Cook has got a, a claim, if you like, for being probably the secondary target now. He's had a nice campaign, the veteran tight end. He seems to bounce around the league, but he seems to have really found a nice home here in New Orleans. He's had nine touchdowns on the season. Cole Rudolph, the tight end for Minnesota, has had six touchdowns. Um, and as, as you can see, as I'm going through these, these are two very evenly matched teams on the offensive side of the ball. Even from the running back um, room, Alvin Kamara, he's been heating up in the last few weeks, as we discussed on Monday. Dalvin Cook has probably been cooling down. He hasn't actually averaged over four yards a carry since week eight. Got off to an absolutely phenomenal start to the season. Still ended the season with over 1,600 scrimmage yards. Um, but ultimately, like I say, he has been on the come down as Kamara seems to be trending in the right direction. So if these two sides are similar from an offensive point, it'll really then come down to the defence. And I would say the Saints have got a slightly stronger unit. In terms of the pass rush, Cam Jordan doesn't probably get a lot of publicity, but he had 15 and a half sacks this season. He's been excellent yet again. And... When it comes to holding the ground game in check, the Saints are one of the only teams to not allow a hundred-yard rusher all year, so that obviously bodes well. When it comes to um, you know shutting down Dalvin Cook as part of that Minnesota game plan for Minnesota, decent against against the rush, but. They've really struggled when it comes to actually guarding wide receivers. They've given up the eighth most yards to wide receivers. And with that being said, and obviously that big weapon, Michael Thomas, as I mentioned, you would have to sort of say advantage there to the Saints. It's obviously a rematch of two years ago when we obviously had the Minnesota Miracle and the infamous play with Case Keenum hurling one down the right sideline and the most ridiculous bit of defensive play you're ever likely to see from the Saints, um, and obviously Stefan Diggs snatching a victory from the jaws of defeat on that occasion. Obviously, this time around, it's in the Superdome, and it's in New Orleans' home field advantage, and I can't look past the Saints in this one. I've been hot on the Vikings all year, and I do think they are a very good and very balanced team, but I just think they're running into a team that's slightly better and, and again, he's equally as balanced. I think the Saints, like I say, could have easily on any other occasion been the number one seed. And I certainly see them winning this one. And I think they will then go on the road and cause problems further on down in the playoff stretch. Um, Tim, going to come to you just very quickly for your prediction on this one, mate, before we get to your game.
0: Yep. No, I, I fancy the Saints in this one as well. If you cast your minds back a bit, even bit further, this is one of the uh, Bounty Gate games, isn't it? Where Brett Favre was uh, quarterback for Minnesota, and New Orleans Saints absolutely beat the crap out of him. Um, I remember that's one of the games I do remember from from uh, year. Uh, I'm sure Lawrence, uh, you have some memories of that. Yesterday, that
3: was
2: that was about
0: yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> it is for you, yeah, Mr. Almanac uh...
3: over
2: there. How do you see the game going, Lawrence, this time round?
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a hat trick here um, for us at full ten yards. Got the Saints as well. I've got the Saints in in convincing style here. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Sean. Albin Kamara, who kind of I don't know what he was doing, not scoring touchdowns for the first eighty eighty five percent of the season, but then he he has hit form at the exact point that you need him. So. I've got a big game from Kamara. I've got a huge game from Drew Brees. And I've got some bit part players playing um, an important role as well. So somebody like Teddy Ginn, I can see him breaking for a long one as well. So big win for the Saints here. Sorry, Sorry, Vikings fans and sorry fans of Kirk Cousins. Not that I'm bitter about Kirk Cousins at all. (laughs)
2: Not at all, mate Could be a good one, though Uh, Like I say, two good sides So a good way to kick off Sunday's action Rounding out the Sunday evening action And indeed, wildcard weekend It's those NFC East winners The Philadelphia Eagles Hosting the Seattle Seahawks Tim, take it away
0: yeah the irony that I once again get the Philadelphia Eagles but alas I will put my my bias to one side for this one yeah, Philadelphia Eagles uh, seven, at 9 and 7 are hosting the Seattle Seahawks I think this one is going to come down to pretty much health uh, on for both sides here who's actually going to take the field you know on for Philadelphia you can add Brandon Brook, uh, Brooks now who's gone for the season Uh end Zach Ertz has a lacerated kidney which kept Kid kidney out of the game for a little while a few years back I think he's not he's, he's doubtful to play but he's not been cleared to play yet anyway so not looking too good for him and apparently last week in the game against the Giants the players had to, the Philadelphia players that were getting injured had to go back to the locker room because the queue for the blue tent was too long um, so that's uh, absolute scenes there. Seattle on the other hand likely to welcome back Jadavon Clowney to beef up the uh, the ground you know, the ground game in terms of stuff in the run Quandre uh, Jig should be good to go um, Ziggy Onsar as well You know, so the, the guys on the defensive side for Seattle who have been a bit leaky as of late uh, should be good to go um you
1: yeah. know and see yeah, the the
0: run game is where the the philadelphia uh Plan is going is going to be on Sunday night. In terms of recent matchups, Seattle have actually won the last five against Philadelphia, including the Week 12 scoreline of 17 to nine. They lead the all-time series 10 to seven. This is actually the first uh, post-game postseason game between the two teams, so obviously the stakes are a bit more uh, elevated than all the other previous games that they have uh, they have had uh, beforehand. Uh, Seattle actually have a seven away seven one away record this season. Away record is not really something you've kind of associated with the Seattle Seahawks always been you know kind of home to off man kind of thing but so yeah seem to uh, be better away from home this season so maybe they'll actually relish the away trip out east to Philadelphia like I say a place where they've already gone and won in terms of the teams Philadelphia are the more all-round team in this one middle of the pack in terms of offence, defence, pass, run you name it they are middle of the pack Seattle have the more potent offence fourth in terms of rushing but unfortunately it's not quite the same picture on the front cover of the running back book that they had from a month ago so, Marshawn Lynch, though, obviously he came back last week. He remembered how to find the end zone, but he is no Chris Carson in his prime. So, um, this one's also going to come down to which QB can make the most plays. You've got you know, Carson Wentz on one side, Russell Wilson on the other, two mobile QBs that like to scramble, extend plays, and make the magic happen. Yeah, stats pretty comparable for both, but when you think you know, kind of the supporting cast forecast, and Wentz this season, you suppose you have to give a bit of kudos to him, but Russell Wilson, you know, obviously he's not, a he's, he's not afraid to, to make, you know, do make plays with his legs. Obviously one of the, beautiful, one of the highlights of the season was a, that touchdown catch to Tyler Lockett early on in the season in the back corner of the end zone. So, um, Yeah, so I think whichever QB makes more plays, uh, that team is going to win. In terms of the game, I think Russell Wilson will have to step up. Uh, Obviously, now that 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 reliable running game from the season uh, is pretty much vanished, although you've got Travis Homer, Marshall Lynch there. Um, But you have to feel Metcalf and Lockett are going to need to get downfield as well and stretch them a bit to be able to even open up those running lanes for those guys. Um, Carson Wentz say and the Eagles we we'll have to try and control the game if they go to win Miles Sanders Boston Scott who's had a nice G last game sixth round pick um, out of the 2018 draft Louisiana Tech Joined the Eagles in Week Six this season and actually has five rushing touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns to his name, four yards per carry as well. So not a bad uh, return for someone that was chucked to the curb by the New Orleans Saints last year. Uh, but yeah, to keep the chains going, they're obviously going to have to try and rely on D- Dallas Scott and uh, Greg Ward as well. I won't, I won't talk about him too much, Lawrence. Don't worry. I know you're still, uh, you're still leaving, uh, Greg Ward. <laughs> but obviously, you know. Philadelphia's strength is that defensive line. Fletcher Cox obviously got that fumble recovery last week. You know, to go along with Derek Barnett, they they're questionable for the game, but should be okay to go. Obviously, that uh, they help. Uh, the supporting cast of Brandon Graham who caused havoc last week as well and has done all season for me to close this one out Seahawks I think in a close one I'd be very surprised if this game is won by more than three points uh, but they will have to manage the clock better than they did last week against San Francisco 49ers uh, shocking usage of their timeouts there towards the end of the game especially that second one their last timeout uh, absolutely shocking stuff you know if, they, if they're doing that against Philadelphia Doug Pederson and the boys are uh, going to eat them alive so um, yeah Seahawks in a close one for me um, yeah just get rid of Philadelphia from the playoffs, please.
2: <laughs> you did very really well to keep that bias in check right until the end there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Shumbled it at the goal line. <laughs> Lawrence, how do you see it going, mate? Just quick, get uh, your prediction.
3: I've got the upset special here. Somehow, I've got the Eagles coming out of their, their mash unit with a squeaker of a win, one two-point win. This is a team that that absolutely loves throwing to the tight end. Hundred and fifty-five catches have gone to tight ends this season. Their top two receivers have been tight ends. If if Ertz is out, Dallas Goddard is probably the best number two tight end in the entire league. And little tiny Boston Scott, I just I've just got this gut feeling that he's gonna do something special. And don't forget, this is an Eagles team. And yes, Tim, I hate the Eagles as much as you do. But this is an <laughs> Eagles team that are on a four-game win streak. And okay, uh-huh. they're all against—they're all against NFC East opponents. But four-game win streaks coming into the playoffs, they do mean something. So, and and don't forget that. Yes, they've had a, a lot of people injured, but they've been playing—you know—with heart. They—they come come back from a—you know—a ridiculous kind of—you know five and seven record to somehow scrape that division. I've just got a feeling I just, just, just on your fantasy teams, just, or your kind of DFS teams, just, just give a bit of love to Boston Scott. I've just got a sneaky feeling.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It's obviously Carson Wentz's first post-season appearance as well. Um, obviously, they've been so used to having Nick Foles for the postseason, so it'll be interesting to see mm. how Wentz gets on with some January football. So that is your wildcard weekend slate fully covered, and we will have to get out of here, boys, because I can see those referees running towards us. Must be time for the two-minute warning.
1: That's the two-minute warning.
2: Okay, two-minute warning then. Let's quickly wrap up everything Full 10 Yards for you. So in terms of the Pickham competition, we described it earlier on the podcast, get involved over at Twitter, chance to win yourself some NFL merchandise of your choice if you can guess the playoff winners over the course of the next few weeks. Big welcome to Alex, new member of our team, he's written himself a nice little article, go and check it out, it's all about the pressure of the playoffs, so interesting read and obviously timed very appropriately. The College Boys will be reviewing the bowl games as usual, so go and check them out for all their good content and obviously for 20 teams at least, we're now into draft season, so go and give the boys a look. And obviously, if you are going to be playing DraftKings or anything fancy football-related for the playoffs, check out the regular articles from the boys. Lawrence, I'm going to just going to chuck it over to you because one thing that we did ask our listeners to do was provide us some of their memories of the 2019 season. And you are going to read out a few of the replies that we've had, back.
3: Yeah, it's always, always great to hear a um, bit of banter on Twitter. So, firstly, we've had at London Titan who obviously celebrating the triumvirate of Ryan Tannehill as the NFL passer rating leader, King Henry as the rushing leader, and for um, AJ Brown, 1,051 yards and his 20.2 yards average. We've got Matt Hubbard, 14.08, who said the coaching by Flores to bring the Dolphins to a five-win team after getting hammered by the Ravens. To do this with a roster made up of limited talent shows the future looks good at the Dolphins with a nice little dolphin emoji. 847 Dinosaur, which is Bethan. Um, she loves seeing the Panthers crush the Buccaneers in London, but said it was all downhill after that. I was there at that game and seeing James Winston throw five interceptions. Yes, that was pretty special. And the Panthers did look good at that time, but then, yep. Black Cat turns up, all went pear-shaped after that. We've got (laughs) Ross Sterling, 83, whose personal highlight was the dual commentary from the Chargers Chiefs and the Fins at Pats when the Gusecki touchdown was thrown. We've got Theon Midge, who's at Cow Days, Um, talking about George Kittle dragging three Saints defenders down the field for that massive kind of final-minute catch that, that led to the winning field goal. And then we've got Phil Woods, who's at Peckham86, simply putting an image of the Falcons 26 Saints 9 scoreline on the field. So, all good. Thank you very much for engaging with us on Twitter. We will always try and respond to things like that. So, keep it up. My personal highlight from this season, I think, was that Black Cat game. On the, that when he came on the field week nine, Monday night football, Giants versus Cowboys. Did it curse the Giants in the Cowboys season? Who knows? But neither of them made the playoffs. And it did cause hilarity to all non-cat named NFL teams as those with feline names went an a remarkable 1-18 and 18 from the Black Cat incident up to the spooky Friday the 13th of December. In fact, when the Black Cat was seen, the Panthers were five and three, the Lions were three, four and one, and the Jaguars were four and five. Cue the end of the season. The Jags won just two of their last eight. The Bengals finished two and fourteen, bottom of the league. And remarkably, the Lions and the Panthers lost their final eight games, both of them. Ridiculous. So, whatever you do, do not cross black cats in NFL games.
2: Indeed, mate. There's a New Year's resolution for 2020. We best get out of here, fellas. We could talk about memories all night long and we'll probably do some articles and stuff over the course of the coming weeks as we get to the off-season. But there's obviously still plenty of football left to play, so good luck to any of you that have a vested interest in the weekend. Let's get wrapped up then, boys, and say uh, goodbye. So it's goodbye from Lawrence. Take care. Can't wait for Wildcard
3: weekend. It's going to be special.
2: Yeah, enjoy it, buddy. Goodbye from Tim.
0: See you. Speak to you next week, guys.
2: Cheers, fella. Well done on the internet as well, mate. Good perseverance. And, of course, <laughs> in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's goodbye from me with Baba for now. Bye Baba.